Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Team Builder Podcast. I am your host, Hewitt Tomlin, one of the co-founders here at Team Builder. Real quick, we are super excited about the online payments portal. This is basically online training. Team Builder now lets you write your programs as you always could, but now you can start collecting payment online and managing your subscribers. Uh, coaches in college and high school settings, there are lots of former athletes that uh, could probably use your programming, and this is a way for you to start that side business. Uh, for gyms and trainers, this is a way to get your programs out to people beyond your four walls. So check that out on our website, the online payments portal. My guest today is Coach Ron McKeefrey. Coach uh, McKeefrey is currently the Assistant Director of Athletic Performance uh, at Fresno State University for football. But here's the thing, it's really hard to give him a proper intro. He's had so many positions in the college and professional space and even tactical um, in his history. I mean, he is like um, the best known college strength and conditioning coach today, one could argue. So what really struck me about my conversation with Coach Ron today is that, um, you know, maybe a couple of years ago, um, it, it, you know, you run the risk as a strength coach about talking about, you know, how to create side income or additional streams of revenue. This is like the most uh, open I've seen Coach McKeefrey talk about that. And uh, he even mentions in this episode that like, it's even more important now than ever for coaches to know how to do this. Uh, considering what happened with COVID, you know, we're finding out that college athletics is not as steady uh, as it once was, and it wasn't really steady to begin with. And uh, for people who run gyms and businesses, um, you know, the business model is kind of under threat. So he said that, you know, years ago, he, he realized this and um, he created additional streams of income for himself. He's really passionate about sharing this with other coaches. So he's got another project in the works that is basically focused on helping all coaches create additional streams of income. And he said it just helps you uh, be in a better mindset, uh, a better mindset at work. You get to see with more clarity about what your purpose is uh, with your job and with your life. I thought that was really, really special. So um, I've known Coach Mac for years, um, but here's the thing. Um, this is the most open he's really been with me and we really had a meaningful conversation. The last thing I'll say is that um, my audio quality is not very good on this podcast. I've talked to people about it. I'm going to rectify this. Um, I was pretty disappointed when that was the case. Um, so bear with me as I make some changes uh, to improve uh, my audio going forward. Coach Mac, welcome to the show. You yeah, appreciate you having me, man. Fired up. Folks, if you're listening, Coach Mac is in week one of the football season. I'm sure the the energy level's high, the testosterone's high. I'm sure the you know a little bit of anxiousness is creeping in there. So, um, Coach, are you excited to get started? Yeah, I, it, it's going to be awesome. Uh, you know, it's been a couple of years since I've been back on the sideline uh, at the collegiate level, anyways. And and um, I mean, we got we had a unique situation here where we didn't have our players for six months. Uh, when, when COVID hit March 12th, we kind of packed up and uh, had to do everything from afar. And, and uh, we get told with pretty much a day's notice that we need, that we need to get everybody back and we're going to be playing a game in, in four weeks. So uh, it's, it's, you know, it's presented a, a unique challenge, one that I've never had. Obviously a lot of people never had, yeah. um, you know, but our kids are doing a great job and, and we're, you know, we are two days away from first game and, you know, anticipation's high, but, but it was a lot of work to get in in a short amount of time. So, um, yeah. Well, out. I bet the, uh, I bet the coaches were confident, uh, in having you in that position. It is a, a different time and a challenge, but you've, you've probably seen some challenges before and, uh, you've been in the industry a long time. So I'm sure you had it well covered. What yeah. happened, uh, in March when you were told that the players are going home, did, did, Obviously, you had to restructure your plan. What did you say to your players for this you know, before this extended period of time when they had to train away from you? Yeah, I mean, day one message was that opportunities are often disguised as challenges, you know. And and I even even today, I mean, I, I told the team earlier that you know we we have an opportunity to have a Cinderella like story um, where I mean you were you were put backed up against the wall, and and I think you know. I got one thing that I've always said, you know, and this is a, a verse in the Bible talks about, you know, you, you, you throw a light into the, 
darkness, you don't throw a light into the light, right? I think oftentimes as coaches, as a strength coach, I'm, I'll tell, you know, even when I've been interviewed, that's usually one of my go-to points is that I've seen almost about everything in this field and I can you typically handle everything. This is unique to everybody. You know, I've never seen anything like this, um, you know, but our, and our players never have, you know, and so it was, it was one of those times where, you know, there's a piece of me that likes that, you know, that likes the, the unknown, that likes the uniqueness, uh, the creativity that comes with that, kind of the entrepreneurial spirit that comes with that. And, um, you know, we, we, you know, we did everything that everybody else did. I mean, we did all the, you know, the remote coaching using platforms like your, your, your own and, and, um, but we tried to really find ways to, to, to tap into a different side, uh, by developing a relationship. I mean, we were a new staff. I'd only had them for eight weeks. So we had to find kind of creative ways to develop that relationship from afar. Yeah. That, you know, at any moment we could be back and have to hit the ground running. Yeah. On a technical level, did you feel like you had to, um, come up with a plan, maybe put it on paper and then go to the head coach and say, this is what we're doing. This is how we're attacking the situation. Yeah. I mean, one of the reasons I came here was, uh, Kaylin DeBoer, our head football coach is a great personal friend. And, and, um, you know, we, we, we believe a lot of the same things and, and our, our families are close and, and, uh, you know, along with the offensive coordinator, Ryan Grubb, um, it was an opportunity to coach with friends and, and, and attack, attack things like this together. And, um, and so we've been playing a game of Tetris is what I've been saying. Every day is a little bit different. Every piece is a little bit different and one piece affects the next. And so, I mean, between our practice schedule, our lifting schedule, our chemistry, all those types of things. Um, I mean, we basically kind of went in with the blueprint, but every day that, you know, you, you look at that blueprint and say like, this isn't going to work and you, you move it around and, and, and you, you figure out what works for that day. And, um, you know, obviously that's a challenge, you know, you go in, I mean, you put them a lot of work to kind of come up with some of these plans and then you have to rip it up. But I think that's one of the things, you know, from being, you know, in the business world, you know, for a couple of years there, you know, and, 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 you know, common phrase is called pivot, you know, pivoting, you know, you, you try something and you pivot. Right. I think yeah. having that experience made me, you know, realize that that wasn't going to work and I had to pivot to a different solution and, it was part of the process, not, not necessarily a definitive end, any, any one plan. Yeah. What were your expectations for your athletes when they came back on campus 30 days before kickoff? Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the biggest challenge coming in is obviously, are they going to be robust enough? I mean, most of these kids these days have got, had some sort of level of training prior to even college. You know, they, they, we, we run a, a very comprehensive program here where it's as much as an education as it is, you know, going through and just putting in the work. So they, I felt like they knew what to do, you know, and obviously being able to provide them with videos and instruction and, and all those types of things. The challenges were when they couldn't get, like we have four players that are from Canada, you know, they couldn't even go outside of their house without getting arrested, you know, at one point, um, you know, and so having to find a unique, you know, having to address almost everybody's unique situation was the challenging part. And that's, I mean, that just goes back to the fundamentals of coaching, which is communication, right? You got to reach out to them. You got to, you got to show them you care by spending time with them. You got to get creative with your solutions. Um, but my expectations with, they came back fit, you know, I wanted them to come back fit um, and uh, at a healthy body weight and, and uh, healthy body composition. And then I figured that within a month of training, we could get them back to where they could handle, you know, the rigors of competition. Yeah. Um, I have another technical question. Sorry for so many. <laughs> I'm just interested in it. Um, and, and this is strictly a hypothetical. I'm not assuming anyone came back out of shape, but hypothetically, assuming someone did, if you have 30 days to kick off, what, what would you, what would a strategy look like to try to get this player as ready as possible in 30 days? Yeah, I'm very fortunate here. We have Andy Ward on staff. And uh, Andy is, uh, I mean, a, he's a magician when it comes to the sports science piece. And so we were able to kind of really look at the demands of last year with the season, uh, take a lot of the data from the, these players from the previous year. And then we just reverse engineered what that, what that would take to be able to get ready for a game week. And, you know, and so early on in our, our camp, 
we actually gave up a little bit of football to be able to do more fitness and make sure that we were, we were at a level of, of fitness that can handle you know, practice. And, uh, and then as we were getting in better shape and as we kind of followed that periodization plan, we, we, we phased out the conditioning and focused more on the football piece. And um, I think a lot of coaches kind of came to that conclusion naturally, just because your players just couldn't handle that, that load, uh, you know, a normal load. But being able to really look at the data, dig into, you know, GPS data and, you know, session RPs and those types of things, we were able to really kind of dial in and, and know and, and right away know how far off they were from the norm and, and not just the norm of the team, but their individual norm. And then we were able to kind of um, kind of tailor some, some additional conditioning or some additional work towards those players that maybe were lacking a little bit. Right. So in your book, you talk about when you design a, a training program, a, a, a cycle, for instance, a microcycle, you, you can only chase so many rabbits, meaning a certain quality, a strength, power, conditioning. In, in this instance, was it's conditioning the quality that you're chasing? Yeah, I, I think I keep telling our, you know, our head football coach and anybody that will listen that uh, to me, I think ultimately the team that, that stands on the podium is the healthiest team, you know. Um, you know, the team that masters the, the basics and, uh, and stays healthy and, and can, can be, it can be the most unified team. So, you know, what you gave up is essentially six months of development, you know, and so that's probably going to show up more for those individual players in their career to where maybe they're as a junior or as a senior, they're not as developed as they would have normally have been. But in terms of playing the game of football, you know, it, it's it's relative. I mean, everybody essentially went through various forms of the same thing. I think we were a little extreme in California, you know, just because of the state, you know, some of the state um, guidelines and things where we didn't have our players at all. And some people right. did, you know, but I mean, we basically lost six months of development is the way I look at it. But as long as we can get fit um, and, and we can, we can utilize some of our, you know, our speed and some other qualities that are, that are, that are pretty good. Uh, for our program, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, great. Um, let's talk a little bit about your transition uh, back into to coaching. You're the assistant athletic director, sports performance at Presto State. Prior to that, you were with Play, um, and that was director of education, I believe, at Play. Yeah, vice president of performance and education. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Um, and then prior to that, you were in coaching. So. Um, you talk a little bit about what it's like going from coaching, uh, which I believe is at Eastern Michigan, to private sector position, and then back into coaching. Is it a big difference? What are some things that those positions have in common, and what are some big differences? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, what what people don't realize as much is that I was coaching quite a bit even when I was at play. I mean, I, I had mm. Team USA football. I had you know the Georgia Swarm professional lacrosse team. I had you know, 29 of the Chinese Olympic teams, you know, and, and coaches that were working with me at that point. So I was still traveling and coaching quite a bit. Um, that's just a few examples, but you know, wh where it is different was that I had to really um, learn the business side of things and uh, understand a, a, a PNL and, and understand a lot of these, you know, things that I had never really been in the room for. And, um, you know, I, I know you've, you've read CEO strength coach and it's a book that, you know, that I wrote that I think to be a success in transition, you have to be a great man, uh, a great technician. You have to be a great manager and you have to be an entrepreneur. And I always felt like the entrepreneurial side of, of my brain just wasn't being as tapped into in coaching as I liked it to be, you know, on the business side, it was completely tapped into, but I, I lost a little bit of the technical side of things that I like, you know, that, that kind of make up who I am. Mm -hmm. So, you know, ultimately that's why I left is because I, you know, I, I, I identify myself as a coach. That's who I am. And it's, it's what's at my core. And, and, um, and you know, and, and I, you know, I also see myself as an educator, but I think ultimately for me, um, I learned a ton. I, the, the skills that I learned in the business world applied to strength and conditioning have made me that much more efficient, have made me that much more uh, knowledgeable about the big picture. And um, I think the more coaches that can, that can tap into that and really learn and take from other 
disciplines and apply them to strength and conditioning. Um, I think that's one of the ways I've been able to success, you know, to, to, to separate myself from the pack is that I've just constantly taken from these other disciplines. And, uh, and I was very fortunate. Play is an incredible company, um, incredible vision run very much like a, a like a, a sports organization. Um, and so honestly, it wasn't a whole lot different other than, um, you know, I was, I was traveling and I only got doses of coaching. And, you know, for me, you know, the reality is that's what I told my wife is that if I don't have chaos kind of going on around me, I don't feel right. And, mm. you know, and so even though I'm working 15, 16 hour days right now, um, if I'm not doing that, I don't, I don't, I don't feel normal just because I've done it for so long. So, um, I had to kind of get back and then I, of course get with some, you know, coaching with some friends that I'd, you know, grow growing up with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we've done some collaboration with play really great folks and they've done a really good job of identifying with who their customer is, which is, you know, strength coaches. They hire a lot of strength coaches um, and they really do the right things by the industry. Uh, and I believe you were the first person in the role that play hired for there wasn't anyone that 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 position did not exist so in a way i guess it was entrepreneurial and that you had to kind of create this position maybe you, you helped define what the role was it wasn't like you stepped into something that was predefined for you yeah it was uh, it, it was unique especially at the time and and really have to credit rich gray and and brent waits i mean really rich's vision um was that there was this gap in between kind of a sales role and, you know, and a coach, you know, and, and, you know, somebody that goes in, you know, so I was more of an ambassador for the company that was able to kind of almost serve as an interpreter, you know, either way. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, by having kind of a business savvy or, or an entrepreneurial spirit, I saw the business opportunities that, you know, a lot of coaches miss, wouldn't necessarily see. Um, but I also obviously had spent years and years and years, you know, in the coaching world and could translate that into a company um, that was obviously trying to target that market, you know? And, yeah. and so um, it was, a, it was a great, it was, a, I loved every minute of it. It was an awesome, awesome job. And, and they've gone on to hire, you know, multiple other coaches and roles that are similar. And, uh, and then it was something that I think, from strength and conditioning perspective, I get really upset with our profession, uh, especially younger coaches now that come out and they got their degree and they got their certification. And they're like, well, where's my job? Well, this field is only still, you know, 60 years old, 70 years old. Um, and it was born out of a time when coaches, they thought it was bad to lift weights for sport. You know, literally, you know, Boyd Epley and Alvin Meal and, uh, Alvin Roy and all these these pioneers in our field, like they had to go in and walk into a coach and be like, "Hey, you should be lifting weights," and they laughed at him in their face because they thought it was bad. And it took that kind of entrepreneurial spirit to go and create a profession that now people are making almost a half a million dollars doing, right? And so, we need to do a better job as a profession seeking out opportunities that are not that are not obvious. You know, I mean, there's there's plenty of obvious opportunity. There's still not a strength coach in every high school. There's still not a strength coach in every college. You know, I mean, we need to, that need, that needs to be a guarantee, but then there's also opportunities. Like I talked to a company about putting a strength coach on an oil rig, you know, and, and keeping them healthy. Cause I mean that, you know, you're, you're out six month deployments for those, those types of things. And it's a physical job. Yeah. You know? So there's, op there's, there's all kinds of opportunities that exist that, that are, that are blended opportunities that strength coaches can do instead of just sitting on their hands and complaining about a profession that hasn't yeah. done anything for them, we're still in the first hundred years that you have, you're every, everybody that's here. And this is why I write, you know, books and this is why I do podcasts and, and really hardly ever turn down any of these opportunities is because I feel like I have an obligation to help document these first hundred years, you know, for future generations. Yeah. And I think we all do. Wow. Never thought of it that way. There's potentially more positions to be created than there are, say, open positions to apply to. Yeah, the only creative thing that we've really done as a profession is gone tactic, you know, added tactical strength conditioning. But, 
you know, and I think that was, that was innovative. That was, that was unique and, and the right direction to go. But I mean, there's so many more things that we can do. Yeah. Uh, and if we don't adapt, we're going to die, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's, you know, we all have the, an obligation to continue to push the envelope, especially the more seasoned coaches like myself that have been in it for quite some time, you know, we, we should be able to see those opportunities and really help push some people in those directions. Yeah. Do you have a preference over the term strength and conditioning coach versus human performance coach performance? You know, I mean, the, the, my preference and, and where I draw the line is coach has got to be in the word. You know, I, mm -hmm. I see myself as a coach, somebody that takes people on a, on a journey that, that, you know, to a place that they can't get themselves, you know? So as long as coach is in the word, I don't really care. Yeah. Uh, but you know, like that's, that was one of the things, you know, and, and even though at play, I, I mean, you know, nine times out of 10, I was, I was still referred to as coach Mac, but that one time out of 10 that somebody would call me Ron instead, but instead of coach Mac, it like, it was like nails on a chalkboard. Like I see my, I, I identify myself as a coach. Mm. And, uh, and I think people that try to eliminate that, uh, you know, that's what makes our, that's what makes our job special. Yeah. It almost has like a, like a human connection. Um, like, you know, uh, um, like a detail in it, a coach is someone who works with someone else in a very like, you know, connective way. Do you think of coaches in your past, you think all the way to middle school, someone that was your first T-ball coach. Um, that's kind of how I think about it. Coach really means that you're closely working with someone specialist consultant, you know, all this other stuff doesn't have the same connotation, right. you know, in the context of the word. Um, all right. That being said, we can move on to, Oh, oh this is one question I wanted to ask you. I, in my personal experience working with coaches, I see more strength and conditioning coaches getting their hands into more things, meaning it's not just the hour, hour and a half in the weight room. They want to do more in terms of uh, observing athletes outside the weight room, observing recovery and sleep and behavior patterns. Um, it's, if their nutrition resource is not available in the program, that they like to be that resource. Um, I wanted to ask first, are you seeing the same thing? And secondly, do you believe strength coaches should have their hands in more things? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I do believe that people should get their hands in more things. I think coaching, I think strength and conditioning is probably not comprehensive enough for what we actually do. Mm. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm in a lot of ways, I'm the assistant head coach. I'm the, you know, sometimes I'm the nutritionist, sometimes I'm the psychologist, sometimes I'm the, the athletic trainer, mm. even sometimes, you know, and um, it really is human performance as a whole you know, and, and motivation and, and mentorship and all these things that kind of go into what you do. So just limiting it to strength and conditioning is probably not enough, but I think most coaches, they grab those other responsibilities because they feel like that's going to make them more stable and secure. And, you know, oftentimes it actually, I mean, and so they, they their time's not valued as well as maybe it should be um, by their employers and others, you know, I think we should be fighting to, to, to probably redefine the actual role and what we do. It's probably more in line with what the, what, what, um, you know, the European countries and the rest of the world do in terms of kind of a high performance manager. It's probably more, you know, so maybe a high performance coach or something along those lines would be more encompassing, mm -hmm. but doing it just to try to, you know, to, to kill yourself, to try to position yourself in a way that you're not going to get fired or whatever. I think that's, that's the mistake. Um, I, in, in that way, I think where you're leading with this is, you know, doing more entrepreneurial type things and finding ways to create some additional revenue streams would be better off because it, you know, like my goal right now is to make it so that I, you know, I don't really care or know what I make at Fresno state. Like I really don't. My goal is to try to get enough other things going on that are passive, that are, that are making it so that my world is stable. So that I don't have to be, I don't, you know, like I don't have to compromise my, my ethics or my morals or my belief system to do yeah. this job. And I think there's a lot of people that have to do that in their roles, you know, and um, this way I can be the coach I want to be. And if I don't, I don't agree, I can walk away, you know, and, yeah. and um I think that's what I've been working towards in my career and, and, and getting close to being able to be able to say that with a hundred percent certainty. Yeah. If a young coach were to ask, you know, how do I make myself indispensable 
or how do how do I create more job security for myself at my with my employer? How would you answer that? Would you encourage them to ask a different question, or do you think it's a valid question? I think it's a valid question. I think it's 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 a timing question more than anything. Like right now, I mean, there's you got to understand the big picture, and you got to find you got to realize that you're there's there's limited resources. I think we're finding that more and more now with COVID. You know, just how how much of kind of college athletics is maybe a house of cards a little bit in terms mm-hmm. of money piece. And, um, and so those resources, they're fleeting and, and, and now you're going to even be, it's even going to be harder to garner those resources because people are going to be, you know, trying to, 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 to put away for another rainy day that might be coming down the road. You know, it's going to be memorable to do this. So I, I think you got, instead of really finding, you know, fighting or, you take roles that you, you feel like you can do for the money that they're provided, you know, and understand that that's what you're being hired for and, and realize that that's what you're going to be paid. And, you know, where you, where you just do a great job and leave it better than you found it and, and advancement or other opportunities will be the way that you increase your, your, your salary. Or you can do what I, you know, what I, what I recommend, which is to try to find additional resources that maybe are untapped, you know, so maybe you're, maybe, you know, you're teaching, you're doing an adjunct faculty at the same school and you're teaching a strength conditioning course, or maybe you're doing speaking or maybe you're doing writing, or maybe you're getting on team builder and you're creating programs for youth athletes and, you know, selling them to youth athletes and, and non-recruitable athletes, you know, and you find different ways to kind of leverage your platform and, um, to me, that's, that's how you, you know, and, and what's funny is when you get those things going, like, I think there's a lot of people in the strength world. It's funny because when I, when I first did the podcast, you know, this was over nine years ago now, like, like there was no shortage of people that laughed at me and thought it was yeah. the stupidest thing in the world. And yeah. there was no shortage of people that, that laughed at me and thought it was dumb for me to write a book, you know? And when those things took off, you know, and became, you know, I've got two books that have been number one international bestsellers now, like more times than not, when I'm being introduced, even by our head football coach, like it's not, it's not that I'm a two-time college strength coach of the year. Some more, I'm, I'm often getting announced or announced more as a best-selling author than I am a two-time strength coach of the year, you know? And I think you, you create those, that kind of individual brand by doing those types of things that shows that you're kind of outside the box and, and those things get celebrated. Um, and it makes your position better and stronger. And, uh, and, and again, you know, there's even been times here where I've walked into the AD's office and said, look, this is going to change or I'm going to walk, mm-hmm. you know, and because I'm, because I'm confident that I can go make money doing anything else. Yeah then it, it also strengthens my position. So it, it, it reminds me of, uh, you, you, I know you, you like Dave Ramsey because you've mentioned him a few times. I re- Dave Ramsey talks about when you have the emergency fund built up, it means that that one day where your job is just sucking the life out of you, you can go into the office and say, you know what, this isn't for me because you know I, I, I don't have to do this. And that kind of security kind of changes your persona in a way kind of changes your outlook on life, I bet. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Dave Ramsey was, I mean, it was important to me because I mean, we went through, when we adopted our kids, we went through a period of time where we were, that money was not in a good spot for us, you know, because we went for one and we came back with three and we weren't expecting those expenses as a young, as mm-hmm. a young. Um, but we were able to get through it. And, you know, and I think having financial knowledge and, and really being smart with your money, uh, again, and you don't want your job, no matter what you do, whether or not you're a cook, you're, you're a police officer, whatever it is, you don't ever want your job to hold you hostage. You want to, you want to enjoy it. And I think if you, you know, by me knowing that I can walk away at any time, I'm able to enjoy the opportunity that I get to make an impact on young people's lives every day, instead of having to be like, Oh man, I got to deal with this freaking jerk. You know, instead I can be like, Hey, look, you're going to change or I'm going to walk and it's going to be because of you, mm-hmm. you know? And that's a stronger, I mean, it's a stronger position to be in. And even with the players, you know, and uh, you'd be surprised how much, I mean, I've used that multiple times where it's like, Hey, look, you're, you'll be the reason why I leave if you don't change. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. Uh, 
it's uh, it's it's been pretty powerful that way. And and they know if you're lying or not. They know if you're being legit about it. Yeah, yeah. They know if you're showing up because you have to, and not because you want to. Right. Right. CEO, strength coach. Um, we've talked quite a bit about it. I just want to say for folks listening and to you, coach. Um, very formative book for me uh, here at Team Builder and for people here at Team Builder. I felt like it was the first book where I could, you know, get a a really comprehensive view on what it means to be a strength coach and pursue a career in uh, strength and conditioning. So when we hire new employees, we hand them the book. We say, look, if, if it's important to understand our customer, this book will do a really good job of letting you know who that is. Um, and it was received really, sorry, I got my dog going nuts here. Um, it was received really well by the coaching community because I noticed that when CEO strength coach came out, coaches were becoming more entrepreneurial. They were volunteering to write more, they wanted more opportunities outside of, you know, their, their day job. And I thought that was really good. And back then that oftentimes meant, you know, writing articles for companies like ours. Um, but today I feel like there are more opportunities. And um, I thought maybe it would be helpful for our younger listeners. If you could talk about today, if you had to reinvent yourself again, you know, going back to your days at, I think at the at university of South Florida or yeah. central Florida, South Florida, how Considering the new opportunities today, how would you do it if you were to do it again, considering you know, today's context? Yeah, I think, I mean, and this is, yeah, I, we talked a little bit offline and, you know, I'm working on a new, new book that really kind of goes into this. Um, so keep writing books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's one way, right? I think, yeah. I think that you, 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 no matter what you choose to do profession wise, you know, if you're going to celebrate, if you're going to stand out from the pack, you've got to create authority in some way, shape or form, you know, yeah. and to create authority in some way, shape or form, you have to become an expert in what some way, shape or form. Yeah. It's kind of your typical Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell, 10,000 hour rule, you know, you dive into a topic 10,000 hours and, you know, and you're going to be, you're going to know more than the average person. Right. So whatever you do and pick is your kind of your niche, you know, that you want to dive into and become an expert on. Now you have to, you have to identify a platform that you can start to put that information out. So whether or not that's writing or blogging, kind of like what you're talking about or writing for books or, or whatever it is, or it's, it's um, podcasting is another good platform, you know, anymore um, or vlogging and, and doing video series or doing a combination of all those things, you know, you want to find a platform, whatever's, natural to you so for me that wasn't writing early on i i you know like i'm still every everybody that knew me growing up still thinks it's the craziest thing that i wrote a book you know <laughs> or two of them um but but what did come natural was me just having conversations you know yeah, and talking shop yeah talking shop, you know and so i you know literally iron game chalk talk started by me talking to a friend on Skype and one of my coaches coming over and being like, you know, and I just had him sit in on the conversation. He was like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. That's like a, that's like a chalk talk session. You should record that. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, cool. All right. Well, you know, I'll do that. And then it took Mike Boyle reaching out to me and saying, Hey, you should turn that into a podcast. You know? So I was actually doing video podcasts way before a lot of people, but I didn't even know what a podcast was, you know, mm -hmm. and put it up on my YouTube channel. And, uh, that was because it was natural to me, you know? And so speaking was natural to me. And so I just found what worked for me. And, and then I, I kind of created, you know, these other additional, I would kind of raise up these other areas that I wasn't as strong in to where I had a pretty robust kind of platform all the way across the board, you know, and then, and then you gotta, and then you gotta figure out what broadcast channel. So you've got your authority, right? You, you've got your platform and then you want to figure out what broadcast channel. So which social media platform do you want to use to really promote your stuff and then be really good at that, you know, as well as Instagram or, you know, Snapchat or whatever it is, you know, find, find ways to use that uniquely to get your information out there and, uh, and then try to make the other ones automatic. So a lot of things uh, like Instagram is pretty much where I spend most of my time but then I, I make sure that that pushes to Twitter or Facebook or other, you know, these other platforms where people might lie. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's really the recipe, you know, find something that is a little bit, you know, different, you know, so, you know, start from a niche standpoint, start. If I was a strength coach for football. Okay. Well, there's probably enough coaches out there right now that are probably considered better than me as a strength. Mm -hmm. coach for football. So maybe I need to be the best strength coach for, you know, high school football. 
Maybe I need to be the best strength coach for high school football quarterbacks. I just kind of kind of keep leveling down to where I find a niche that nobody's really talking about, but everybody's interested in and then build content around it. Yeah. Interesting. I've got an interesting question to follow up on that as well. I've noticed that coach, you've done a good job of building relationships with vendors in the strength and conditioning space. And again, from my personal experience, a lot of strength coaches are not eager to do that because I think naturally they, they feel like, you know, vendors are going to do what they mostly do, which is sell to coaches. They don't want to be sold to, and they just don't see the value in having relationships with vendors. Can you talk about how you kind of flip that on its head and how you, you know, use vendor relationships companies to kind of, you know, do what you're talking about in terms of leveraging yourself? Yeah, I think, I think, People like even in the building right now, like we have, like I, I'm, I'm seeing our, our janitor walk through the building right now, you know, and like that person is, I mean, a, a, Larry is an awesome person. Like he's just a cool person to talk to. And he's got, you know, he's got, a, you know, he's got four kids and, um, and, and it's just like, so if anything, like I can take away maybe some, some dad advice from him or, you know, or learn something from it. I, what I try to do, even like in the strength issue world, because I think a lot of people, they look at my platform, they say like, why are you not more vocal about some of these Twitter issues that are out there and things like that? And like, I, I try to find the good in everything and leave the bad, you know, everybody's got good and everybody's got bad in them. And I try to, I, I try to take the good um, and figure out how it can help me grow. And so to answer your question, when I was, a, when I became, became a head strength coach at 22 years old in the NFL or 23 years old in South Florida, you know, like I didn't have any assistance. I didn't have hardly anybody there. And I had to learn how to be that role. And that meant reaching out to people. And, and one of the groups that I found that could make those introductions easy was the vendors that came through on a regular basis. And so a lot of times I would see if they could connect me with somebody that I was trying to connect with. And then what I learned is that, hey, look, freaking Rich Gray and, you know, uh, and all these people, they're going into 100 weight rooms every year. You know, mm-hmm. so I can probably take something from each one of those guys when they come through. And so if you ask, I mean, I, I think yourself included, you know, like whenever we talk, like I'm, I'm usually asking more questions of you than you are of me, you know, because I feel like you're you're getting more context and more, you know, and, and more experience, you know, out there. And I, I want to bring that back. So I think if you, if you approach every relationship with trying to take the good and leave the bad and look for the, the, the opportunity to grow, um, regardless if that's a vendor or the janitor or, you know, another strength coach or whatever, I think you'll find that you'll grow, you, you'll end up becoming a better coach because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Viewing them as a person, a person who has a, a story, something that can help. Yeah, I think I think to combine that, I think one thing that I think I always did well was I was always very honest about where we were at with vendors when they came in. So I'd, I'd be like, hey, look, I love your stuff, but like we absolutely do not have the money for it. So mm-hmm. I don't want to waste your time. So if you don't want to come in here, I get it. But if you want to come in and talk shop and build a relationship and all that, who knows, maybe we're out down the line. And maybe it, it, our, our paths cross in a different way, you know, when I when I do have those resources. I think being honest about that, I think that that kind of disarms that whole kind of sales relationship. Yeah. um, You know, and and even if you're, you know, I mean, even if you're more loyal to a different company than another one, being honest about that, I think, yeah, I think people respect that. They definitely do. And it's not based on your personality. It's not always the easiest thing to do because you're really non-confrontational. It's hard to be like, Hey man, I'm just not going to buy your stuff, you know? And then there's other people who have no problem saying it. You know, I, I'm just thinking of someone who called me today trying to get the team builder to sponsor a virtual clinic. I love sponsoring clinics, but there are so many virtual ones now. It's, it's I'm just no budget for it. But I, I didn't have the heart to say, hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm just, it's not going to happen. I had to say, I have to think about it. Let them down easy. <laughs> I think, you know, I mean, I, I think that's, those, those moments are the times when you're like, I think your systems kind of help you kind of create something to where it's like, Hey, look, this is our, our system for, yeah. um, for virtual clinics or whatever. I know that's something that I had to deal with, with play. I mean, I know, you know there's only so many strength and conditioning vendors and everybody reaches out to them anytime they run anything and sponsorship by itself. I think, I think again, I, I mean, 
Like even right now with podcasting and those types of things, I don't even look at it like, what can you do for me? I look at it as like, okay, where, what is the unique skill set that I have that I could bring to team builder or somebody else and create some sort of unique piece of content that's going to benefit them in a, in a, in a different way, you know, than what they've got going already. And if I can create that, then that's when I reach out. Not when, not when it's just like, I need freaking $500 for a speaker. I mean, that's not going to benefit them, you know? Uh, And if you just try to put your, I think it goes back to just kind of not to get on a soapbox, but kind of where our world is right now. Um, And one of the things that I really valued about my time at play and traveling the world was, you know, we got to do a better job of, of having civility and empathy, you know, and putting ourselves in people's shoes and, 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 and having those kind of difficult conversations, but in a, in a non-confrontational way. And if you do that, I mean, this world's going to be a much better place regardless. Yeah. Yeah. Empathy. Did, advanced business question. Did you get to a point where you had too many opportunities and you had to figure out ways to prioritize them? And then I'm sure at that point you thought about scaling yourself, meaning you can only trade your time. You know, you only have so much time as a resource. You had to, to do a little bit more in order to, to expand your, your reach. Um, so how did you go about that when you got to that point? Yeah, that was probably my biggest challenge at, at, at play. And one that I honestly, I did not anticipate was, you know, once I kind of became a free agent, then there were so many opportunities that came my way and, and they were all good. You know, they were all good opportunities. And so um, I think ultimately, you, you know, you, you've got to, you know, when you're in the business world and this is kind of maybe um, you have to, you have to kind of prioritize kind of off of return on investment, you know, the amount of time that you would spend or the amount of time that, you know, how much money you would get back in exchange for that. Um, I think that's the same thing when you're a strength coach and you're just like, okay, I've, you know, if time is the most precious commodity. So, you know, how much time I'm going to dedicate that versus, you know, framing it versus time with your family or time with your hobbies or time with rest, you know, things or whatever. Um, I think you just got to kind of create your, your non-negotiables and then, and then, you know, work backwards and kind of reverse engineer that just like you would a training program. But, um, again, it goes back to my book, you know, the strength, the CEO strength coach book, you know, like I believe strength coaches, if doing anything else would be the CEO of most companies because of the intangibles that come with, you know, like it's, it is not an easy job to get 109, uh, type A personalities to run through a brick wall at 6 a.m. Like that's a special talent that most people don't have, you know, and that's a talent that is definitely marketable in almost any other profession. And so you just got to recognize that and, and know that and then figure out what your, your individual core values are and find opportunities online. And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it was a challenge for me because there's a lot of good people out there doing a lot of really cool things that, I wanted to be a part of, but it ended up getting me on an airplane almost 300 days a year. So that wasn't as, for me, that wasn't as, you know, like I'd rather be in here for 15 hours than be on an airplane for 15 hours. Yeah. Would you mind opening up about like personal health and personal well-being? You sometimes hear this phrase called self-care that's become like more popular recently. I know from experience when you're flying a lot, I've never flown 300 days a year, but I've, I've flown a lot and I know it's hard on health. Um, working 15 hour days in a, in a facility is hard on health. Um, what are some ways that you stay mindful of your, your personal well-being, both mental and physical? Yeah, it's a tough one. Cause I think, I mean, I tell people all the time that I think if you're going to be great at anything, you're going to live in extremes, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so there is really no kind of work life balance when you're, when you want to be great at something, um, you know, you're always going to be skewed a little bit. That said, I think, you know, it's, it's, you gotta be present when you're, when you do have the time, you gotta be present. So like the people that know me, you know, know that my family is everything. Like, like I I did not grow up in a, in a great family environment. And that was, that's been my driving force. My, my whole adult life is to give them better than I had. Mm -hmm. But my job is obviously very demanding and takes away. So I had to find ways to make sure that they were a part of 
my every day, you know, and, and so, you know, coming to the weight room, being a part, knowing the team, being, you know, coming to the team meals and all these types of things just become regular parts of what we would do. But it also exposed my kid to kids to incredible opportunities to be around diverse population and really, you know, kind of develop in a, in a unique way. Um, so I think the answer to that is that you've got to infuse what is important to you into everything that you do. And then you have to be present. So even though like my time is probably 80% at work and 20% at home, when I am at home, I'm, I'm a hundred percent present, you know, and you gotta, you, you gotta make sure that you, they, they know that, you know, but I mean, shoot, I got, you know, I got to do a much better job of making sure my wife knows she's the most important person in the world. I got to make sure, you know, I got to do a better job, make sure, you know, I call my kids and, you know, every day and those things are not easy to do when you're dog tired, you know, but you got to yeah. prioritize. Yeah. Going back to, to when you mentioned that you have to know what your non-negotiables are. It seems like that having a situation where your family can really be a part of the program seems like a non-negotiable for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, I think, again, it's one of the reasons why I took this job because I know, you know, yeah. the board and Ryan Grove and the people that they are, Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I knew this is a place that I could, I could do that with, you know, whereas, you know, when you're at like an SEC program, it's tough. You know, it's, I mean, you're, you're recruiting 24 seven and you're, uh, you know, those types of things. And so I, I definitely turned down jobs like that, that were probably paid a little bit more mm. uh, because, you know, family is, is, is top priority and it's yeah. worth my life. Return on investment is not purely monetary. It's many things, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll finish up here, coach, and get you out the door because I know you I get this team ready for the, the game day. I'm excited for you, man. Um, but I wanted to ask about the, the Iron Game Chalk Talk podcast. That has um, been handed off to Isaiah uh, Casilleja. End of an era, by the way, because that podcast is like the longest running performance <laughs> podcast. It's so cool. And, and by the way, when you got flack for starting that, you know, not to knock the profession, but the, the strength conditioning profession I've observed is you know, very insular. When you're going to do something new and, and fringe, yeah, there's going to be some people saying something about it. So um, that makes sense to me. But regardless, now everyone has a podcast, so you kind of started it. Um, but you mentioned that you have a new podcast coming out. Or you So um, you close the chapter on Iron Game, and then you're moving on to, to something else. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm a big fan. There's a good, there's a good book called uh, Blue Ocean. And um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, the, the premise of the book is that if, if, if there's chum in the water and all the fish are feeding off the same chum, right. You know, there's this big blue ocean out here where there's all these, you know, there's all this food available to you. And, and so like when everybody goes right, like I, I typically try to go left because I just think that it's just not like, it's not worth it that much of a battle. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's kind of how I've always lived my life with these different types of opportunities. And like right now I'm making a similar shift. I mean, I, I'm almost done with a new book called overtime. Um, it's all about the time that you spend outside of the outside of, of work to build these kind of additional revenue streams. And, um, but in a way that you can continue to do your job. Like, I think that's the key. Like most entrepreneurial adventures are ones that, you um you're trying to get away from what you love to do you know what you do you know and like coaches they love what they do but it's but it is a volatile profession and, and quite frankly it's probably not going to be any different for anybody that's listening right now in their in their time frame you know like in their and you know so we have to find a way to create stability in an insecure world and to me that's these additional passive revenue streams you know, leveraging your, your kind of your individual celebrity and your individual brand to do that. And that's what you do get. Like, I mean, I walk into a stadium of not this year, but normally I'd walk into a stadium with 80,000 fans in it. You know, there's a way that I can leverage that if I really wanted to, um, or there's a strength and conditioning community or there's, you know, extended, uh, extended communities. So, you know, I, this, this, venture that I'm going in is trying to teach coaches how to create those passive things, things that I've done my whole career that have made it so that I can kind of live this type of, um, free will that I have. And, um, I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be, it's one of those things that the timing's not right to launch that. And uh, there's going to be a yeah. new process that goes with it. 
Um, but, um, but I'm going to be launching that probably in the new year. And, and, uh, I think it's going to help a lot of coaches, but super excited about Isaiah. Isaiah is one of the, you know, the first people that reached out to me, you know, nine years ago, um, and just was really supportive about the podcast and guy that probably listened to every single episode and, um, has got his NBA and he's got, he's a unique person. He reminds me a lot of myself and, you know, early in my career and, um, I know he's going to take Iron Game Chalk Talk 2.0 to a whole nother level. And and that's what it needed. I, I mean, seven years of interviewing people every week, it, that, you know, that, that was yes. a, uh, that was quite the, ch- the the task. And I needed a break from it, but I didn't. But, but the, the you know, the, the thousands of people that downloaded every week, I know that, that I, there's been so many times that I've walked in. I honestly, I don't think I've met a strength coach that says that they haven't listened to at least one episode at this point and, you know, and, and how it's really helped a lot of coaches along their journey. And that's, that's all I've ever wanted to do is just do that. So by keeping that going with Isaiah and I know you guys are a part of that now as well. And um, I'm fired up about it. I think it's, it's exactly what I wanted. I wanted the legacy to kind of live on and, and, uh, and he's the right person to do that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I, I love what you said. When you see everyone taking a right, it might be time to to take a left. So I look forward to hearing about when it does come out. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. That's definitely a unique uh, way to go about things. But, you know, I definitely the right way to go. I mean, I think this is going to speak to a lot of people who are coaches, not just strength coaches, but just coaches in general. Right. Yeah, I, I think to me that's – um, ultimately where I want me, I want to individually grow by speaking to more coaches and not just coaches. And, um, I think every strength conditioning coach that's listening to this, I mean, you walk, you know, you have influence in your athletic departments around all these other coaches. And I think, you know, um, that's where our professionalism and our, our ability to, to continue to grow our profession as, um, kind of position it in its rightful place where we're, we're, we're a, a unique group that speaks to a lot of athletes and a lot of coaches and are looked to for, so for wisdom in a lot of ways. Um, we need to continue to position ourselves that way. And, and the value will eventually come when we continue to do that. Yeah. Top of the hour. Um, a wealth of knowledge. So much fun. Coach Mack during game week, taking time to sit with us. I really appreciate it. No, awesome, man. Appreciate you. Appreciate all the work you guys do and, and what you guys do to give back to the community and um, just a first class company all the way around. I appreciate that. Good luck this weekend when this uh, whole ordeal is over. I hope to see you in person again. Shake your hand, maybe give you a hug if it's safe. And uh, yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Likewise, man. Appreciate you. All right, coach. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Team Builder Podcast. If you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you would like us to discuss on our format, go ahead and reach out to me. My email is hewitt at teambuilder.com. Thanks again for listening.